0: All right, welcome back to the Sports Media Walk podcast. This is John Lewis, joined as always by Drew Lerner. Please subscribe to the SMW podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. So let's uh, just jump right into the big story of the weekend. That would be the NFL's debut on Peacock and the viewership success that ensued. So it's difficult to talk about stories like this because... Obviously, the NFL succeeded by taking advantage of its audience, right? And uh, there is certainly a level of exploitation, if you want to call it that, that's involved in what went on. But certainly, if you had any question whatsoever about whether or not a streaming service could be home to big-time sporting events exclusively, those were probably already answered by Thursday Night Football, right? But we know Amazon's a bit of an exception because of the Prime aspect, the fact that most people have Prime, most people have Prime and Prime Video. Peacock, a very different story. The fact that Peacock was able, as NBC said uh, on Sunday, to deliver an audience of 23 million viewers for that game, up 6% from the prior year, is a major league success that figures to have a big impact on the industry going forward. Because now we know. You can take this property, you can take it off of over the year, broadcast television, not even put it on basic cable, but put it on the streaming service that people have to affirmatively buy, not a cable network that most people probably already have and might not know about, but something they have to affirmatively purchase, download, sign into, all of these various things, these steps that people don't have to do, and you were able to get enough people to do it that your audience increased from the prior year. That is a, a, a substantial success. The other side of that, one, we know that a big portion of that audience is going to include people in Kansas City and Miami who were able to see the game on their NBC affiliates. So we don't know that all 23 million people were watching on, on Peacock. We don't know that. Two, uh, you know, the reality of the matter is this is Dolphins-Chiefs. This is Pat Mahomes. It wasn't a good game. But on paper, it was a good game. Twenty-three million viewers. Yes, that's up from the uh, the, the Chargers Jaguars game the prior year. Chargers Jaguars was such a boring matchup on paper that Al Michaels wasn't interested in it. Right? We remember that it was a great comeback, but it just was not. Uh, it, it wasn't the highest bar. So the fact that there was an increase is incredible. But we're not talking about a high bar here. And realistically, there's no way that Dolphins Chiefs has 23 million viewers in any other circumstance but this one. That's a massive audience, but that's a game that would have had at least 30 million. You want to know how I know? Because Browns-Texans led in with 29 million. So we know immediately from that, because we know that Browns-Texans was not an attractive matchup. We know it wasn't a good game. But it was on NBC and had 29 million, including Adobe Analytics, Peacock, uh, all of that. And that dropped to 23 million for the exclusive Peacock game my assumption is that all things being equal dolphins kansas city has a better audience than cleveland houston so that probably would be in, in a normal circumstance 31 32 million from that perspective if you if you believe that prognostication from me then nbc and the nfl cost themselves 9 to 10 million viewers that game hey that's fine you're making 110 million in rights fees but 9 to 10 million people being unable to watch something that they wanted to see is nonetheless a problem going forward. It's a, it's a PR problem. So uh, a lot of issues to talk about with that Peacock game. And Drew, I'll bring you in.
1: Yeah, you did really well kind of explaining the, the landscape of it all there, John. Um, my takeaway is that there's no hesitation now if you're the NFL. Um, you got an increase year over year. I don't think even the highest pie in the sky estimates in the NFL corporate office would have thought that they would have increased year over year versus NBC's primetime matchup on Linear last year, even if it is Chargers, Jaguars that you're competing with. Now, if you're the NFL, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, going forward, you have two games that you can shop out each year, two wildcard games that you can shop out to streaming every single year that aren't tied to contracts already. If I'm, you know, Paramount Plus or one of these other streaming services that are in need of subscribers and an audience, what better way to introduce people to your product than to buy one of those NFL games? I mean, I'm sure the price is going up. 110 million seems a little cheap now uh, if you're going to get 23 million, million viewers concurrently but you know if you listen to you know the matt belanys of the world paramount plus is already on death's door they need to do something very very extreme to to get their subscriber numbers up i can't i can't imagine a world where they wouldn't want to get in on this unless they just want to totally do away with their subscription service for the fans though this is just another step along the long road of fragmentation and if you're going to be a sports fan for the next several years, it's it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I've, you know, maybe this is my media brain to take, John, but I don't think $599 is, and I think it was proven out in these numbers. I don't think five ninety nine dollars is a very big barrier to entry here. You have properties like the UFC and boxing that have forever charged way, way more 10, 12, 15 times the price that Peacock is charging you for this NFL game, on top of all the other content you're getting for a month. Just for one singular event, one singular pay-per-view event. So, I don't think uh, you know five ninety-nine is necessarily something people should be complaining about for a prestige property like the NFL. But it's not something people used to have to pay for, so it is going to have uh, its fair share of scrutiny.
0: Well, I mean, you got to keep in mind when was the last time a lot of these people have paid to watch a sporting event? Now, of course, they're paying their cable bill, but that's a continuous thing they've been paying for probably their whole adult life. Right. Uh, you know, so it's been a long time since any of these folks have had to shell out extra money to see a game. And so it's galling to them, especially with the NFL where you get them over the air free broadcast TV. I think that is part of it, like six six more dollars. You know, I mean, this is something I get for free. Imagine if something you've been getting for, well, for no additional fee, for years and years and years, all of a sudden you have to pay an additional fee. So that's part of it. Um, I don't know if it's two wild card games that are up for grabs every year. It's kind of complicated. So we know that NBC has certain years where they have two wild card games, and CBS has certain game years where they have two wild card games. Next year, CBS has two wild card games. So it could be next year, like what we saw this year, where. CBS has two wildcard games, and they buy the third one for Paramount+. Plus. Maybe that could happen. Um, I know John Orand said he thought next year Peacock would get one and Amazon would get one. But I don't know how the math works out there. Because I'm pretty sure CBS has two wildcard games next year. So that's two for CBS, one each for the rest. That's five. That leaves one left over. So you can't have Peacock and Amazon getting that. I do think Amazon better get one. I mean if I'm Amazon I'm I'm pretty incensed that I was left out of uh, of this and Peacock beat me to it. Um so uh, Amazon better get one down the line uh, maybe as soon as next year. I have no idea if Fox has years where it has two wild card games. Fox never said it in a release. And you would think if there was ever a year where Fox had two wild card games which by the way would be unprecedented for them. Because even going all the way back into the ABC Monday night days, ABC would get the the Wild Card Saturday game. So there's never been a year where Fox has had two Wild Card games. So that would be a milestone for them. They never said it in a release or gave any indication that they have that. Now, you know, who knows? Maybe they just forgot. But they mentioned the Christmas games in their release announcing their new deal with the NFL. So I feel like if they had any years where they had two Wild Card games contractually, that they would have mentioned that. Uh, So depending on whether or not Fox actually does have two wildcard games in, in in a few years there will be years where the nfl has two games to sell uh and uh, that will be very interesting to see what they do with those uh, those opportunities
1: john looking at the bigger picture here with such a rousing success for the nfl here with 23 million on peacock can we expect the nfl to move more of its inventory not even just the playoff inventory but regular season inventory as well over to digital exclusives.
0: I think so. I think you can expect to see that. This TV deal there's not a lot of inventory that's not already accounted for in this deal. The the NFL left itself a few open opportunities, but realistically, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for, you know, a second Thursday night style package. But Well, this is a great opportunity to bring in the discussion about NFL media and the fact that uh, the NFL and ESPN are close to a, a partnership where the NFL would invest in ESPN, and ESPN would then assume management of NFL media. So that's Red Zone, that's NFL Network, and obviously NFL Network has eight NFL games per year. I don't really know what this is going to mean in terms of the strategy going forward for NFL Network. Is that just going to get folded into the ESPN, you know, uh, uh, is is that just going to be something that maybe is de-emphasized, right? Will some of those games be on ESPN Plus, right? Will that become maybe a place where ESPN Plus gets a package of games, right? So there's a lot of uncertainty as far as that goes. But those NFL Network games, eight a year, uh, the the London games, and then, you know, a a few Saturday games, late season games, that could be a place where you see a streamer get in. Um, I wonder, you know, the NFL hasn't really done anything with Christmas contractually. Fox, in its contract, gets a Christmas game whenever it's possible. That's it. The NFL could decide, well, we're going to sell rights to our Christmas games. To the highest bidder because you know everyone talks about oh man the nfl dominates i mean i made this point the other day the nfl is not the goal of the nfl is not to dominate the nba so if the nfl puts itself in a position where it's on peacock or paramount plus or you know quibi or whatever on christmas day and the audience isn't as big as it was this year as long as they're making money they're fine with it so that might be a place where you see a streamer getting because there is no contractual Claimed to Christmas Day for any of the NFL's broadcast partners, except for Fox. So that might be a place. Uh, but uh, there's not a lot of opportunity.
1: I saw the news about you know the NFL and ESPN's strategic partnership. And the one thing that I, I really could not grasp is where is the strategic value in this for the NFL? It seems if they go and partner with ESPN, they're losing leverage On future rights negotiations. Like you said, they could be, you know, seeding some of their some of their current inventory, their eight-game inventory over to ESPN, which kind of drives the entire value of NFL media right now when we talk about carriage negotiations and things of that nature. That's really what these distributors are paying for when they're carrying NFL network. It's those eight games that they they hold the rights to. So why does this make sense for the NFL to go ahead and partner with one of its media partners like ESPN?
0: I honestly, I have no idea. You know, it, it, it's a very odd move for both sides, in my view. Obviously, ESPN needs investors, and the NFL needs someone to take NFL media off of its hands. But I think there's a lot more complication to this that, than there is problem solving. One, how exactly is ESPN supposed to cover the NFL? It's bad enough having a direct financial relationship with it, but the NFL as an investor, how are you ever going to be viewed as objective again? Are you just going to put aside any possible idea of, of journalism? I mean, I know Bob Lee's long gone, but they still try to pretend that they do journalism there. Uh, and as far as the NFL goes, You know, one, why invest in only one of your partners? That's going to complicate your relationships with your other partners. Relationships that are more important than the one you have with Disney. Is Disney going to get better games now? Now you create a circumstance where the other networks might feel there's some favoritism going on. They're paying a lot of money for these rights. You know, what if all, you know, the Monday Night Football schedule this year was much improved, noticeably so. And it made sense. It was the right move. But, you know, going forward, if you're an NBC, wait a second, why is Monday Night Football getting these great games rather than Sunday Night Football? You know, I mean, maybe it'll work out for the NFL because the other networks will say, well, we want, to, we want a relationship with you. But what does the NFL have left once it gives up NFL media that the networks would want other than maybe greater rights, which are already locked up? So it it definitely takes the NFL's leverage away because, one, once you're investing in ESPN as well, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like a, a set of circumstances where you're in a better position using these networks as business partners and being involved in their ultimate success
1: when you're the NFL and you go and partner with ESPN, you're now exposed to the greater sports media rights industry at large, right? So ESPN now has to you know pay up for baseball rights or tennis rights or golf rights, whatever it had, whatever it may be. The NFL is now a, a victim of whatever you know external circumstances could happen um in the rest of the sporting landscape. Whereas right now they are the kingmaker. They they are able to decide essentially for these networks what games you're getting, uh what the quality of the games you're getting, how much you are going to pay us. Because for all of these media partners with the NFL, having these games on their air is existential. They they will not exist unless they have NFL games. So to me it it really doesn't make much sense. That's why I'm a little bit skeptical of this deal even happening in the first place, but of course, you know, the people reporting on this deal are much more know than know mm-hmm. than you or I. So, um we'll we'll see. I will be watching with uh with open eyes here.
0: Well, but it comes down to it it's a needless risk for the NFL primarily. I think it, it, I don't see the upside for the NFL. I don't. No. Um, to me, one, you could easily, you know, work with. Well, easily, they've been trying to. They've been trying to get NFL media off their hands for a long time. So easily, obviously, is not the case. But surely, there's got to be other options. I think they should be very hesitant about linking themselves to one of their business partners in in this way, because even though they're all entangled right now, the relationship is still separate. If something happens to ESPN, the NFL is not touched by it, right? Now, the NFL is going to be in a position where any of their business is affected directly, not indirectly, but directly by what happens at ESPN. We all know ESPN will be fine. But there's been talk about, you know, the network's future for a long time. Uh, you know, is he going to spin it off or whatever? The NFL has never really had to care about that because worst comes to worst. Oh, man, we lost ESPN. Guess we'll have to go find another network for Monday Night Football. Big deal. But now it's, oh, we've lost ESPN. We, we invested heavily into this company. What do we do? So I, I, I don't think that uh, selling off NFL media or, or, or ceding control of it is worth that risk. Um, NFL media is an interesting one because ultimately, you know, the NFL doesn't, it's, it's, it's not as, you know, it's more independent than it has any right to be. They go out, they hire real journalists. Obviously, sometimes it hurts them, like with Jim Trotter. They obviously were not really prepared to have someone asking them tough questions like that. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not necessary for the NFL to have a big news operation with real reporters. They don't have to do that. Um, they could you know, easily just distribute all of their rights. You know, uh, They could sub-license them. There's a lot of different things they could do. Uh, I, I guess this is kind of like that. But to me, the, the investment in ESPN, if they, if they could do this where they're just giving ESPN control of NFL media, I think that would make more sense. Now that's the other question too. Is this is this conditioned on ESPN getting control of NFL media? Did, did Disney say we'll take NFL media off your hands, but you have to invest in ESPN? Because that's the only way it makes sense to me. I, I don't love the investing in ESPN side of this for the NFL.
1: Yeah, that seems like it would be much more of a minimal partnership. It, it... It wouldn't kind of entangle their business operations uh, at all it would be a, a much smaller deal than i think it's probably being played out in the media at the moment and that's probably also why there's going to be room in the future for espn to find other strategic partners um i know Marshand and in his piece left open the opportunity for you know telecom companies or distributors to also partner with espn so Maybe this is more on a smaller scale than we're anticipating. Um, And it is more so ESPN gets NFL media for a small investment. If it's on a larger, larger scale than that, I I don't see the upside for the NFL, like you said.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and then again, if it is so small, what's the upside for ESPN? What's the upside for Disney? Because you're losing your editorial independence and what, you know. I think they could get control of NFL media without the NFL investing. Now, of course, it's still benefit, added benefit for them. But to me, you know, any strategic partnership needs to be significant enough to justify all the headaches that it will create. Fair. So, yeah, I, I don't know.
1: All right, John, let's move on to some of the other uh, NFL playoff ratings on Super Wild Card Weekend. The big number of the weekend was... I should preface this. We do not have the Monday game numbers yet, but I think we can assume this will be the big number of the weekend. And that is Cowboys Packers, the NFC wildcard game. It averaged 40 million viewers on Fox per the fast nationals. So we haven't gotten an official number there yet, but that was the biggest audience of the weekend. Also one of the more surprising outcomes and it involved the Cowboys. So John, what is your takeaway from, from that game?
0: Well, in the era of out of home viewing, a Cowboys Sunday playoff game against the Packers is going to get 40 million. 40 million, you know, it's interesting. It's not as impressive a number as it used to be because out of home viewing will get you there. If you're the NFL, if it's Sunday and it's the Cowboys or it's Thanksgiving, you're going to get to 40 million. You know, it, it's not the same kind of milestone. It's kind of like a 50 point game in the NBA. It used to be, wow, you scored 50 points. That's amazing. Now it's like, well, that's nice. It happens you don't really even have to be that good to get to 50 points anymore, right? You know, I mean, sometimes they'll get to 60 and 70 points, and you're like, well, okay, that's all right. You know, I mean, to me, it's still an incredible number, but I'm not, you know, going gaga over it. Uh, we live in, a, in an era that is not inflation. This is not, these are not inflated numbers. They're not, they're still undercounted. The, these numbers are still undercounted. But as compared to past years, as compared to what we, Consider to be a great number. They are inflated because obviously the methodology has changed, and uh, the NFL is very popular. Okay, you know, we, there's not really much else that, that we could say about uh, about those numbers that is notable to me.
1: Yeah, I, I think you hit on a good point. That there's this misconception out there that anything post out of home viewing, any viewership numbers, inflated, but that's not the case. These are actually the more accurate figures, presumably, um, based on, you know, Nielsen's um, sampling methodology, right, they're now able to capture an audience that previously was uncounted in their old methods. So I, th- I think that's important to, to note, because I see a lot of this in, in the commentary um, around this space of not really um, crediting these big numbers with you know, their proper due. Yes, it is apples to oranges from pre-2020 numbers, but this is objectively the more accurate figure, so.
0: Well, I would say, you know, the numbers are more accurate in terms of we know that even 40 million is understating what that audience probably was. But I don't love the methodology. It's better methodology than anybody else would have, right? You know, I mean... It's the best we have, but we're talking about people carrying their portable people meters with them into restaurants and bars, and then the portable people meter is able to capture the audio from the TV that they may or may not even be looking at, right? They may be looking at a different game, but the audio is turned down on that one. You know, so to me, it's it's more accurate, but I mean, it's not inflated. It's definitely not inflated. I don't know... Other than just increasing those numbers to a level that probably is more accurate, I don't know how accurate it is a depiction of what people are actually doing.
1: That's true. And this is getting pretty in the weeds. But I would imagine there has to be some survey data that Nielsen has done in the past, uh, just asking viewers, like, how do you typically watch a game? Is it in a restaurant and bar? Is it at a friend's house? Blah, blah, blah so they can compare the numbers from the portable people meters being at the bars or restaurants to actual survey data. But yes, it's, it's a lot of extrapolation and and this is more art than science in a lot of ways. Um, But it's, it's the best we got and it's kind of what we have to go with. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's better than what we had before, but I, I wouldn't necessarily just by, just by making the numbers look bigger, it makes it more accurate but I don't necessarily know that the out-of-home data itself is anything that I would chisel into a stone tablet.
1: John, I want to get your opinion on NBC's uh, on-air press release of sorts yeah. during halftime of, um, gosh, was it was it rams, rams lines? Yeah, yeah, Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, very, very bizarre kind of moment in in media here where Mike Tarico for about a minute read off what I think could only be described as a as a press release yeah. style uh, a viewership figure for the Peacock game the previous night. I I was mesmerized that this was happening on my television. I mean it's mm. a flaunted it in the face of all of the paying customers that begrudgingly paid $5.99 to watch their their football game. I mean, to me, it was just so tone deaf, so unbelievable. So, you know, it was mind boggling to me that NBC did that on the air. What did you think of that?
0: Well, you know, it was uh, the, the strangest halftime moment for Mike Tirico since he previewed the summer movie season with Joel Siegel at halftime of the 2003 NBA Finals clincher. And at the end of that segment was him and Joel Siegel fist bumping in incredible Hulk hands. Uh, unfortunately, I have no footage of this anymore, but it did happen. Uh, I think, you know, it was a little embarrassing, you know, I mean.
1: Do you think this is drawn up by NBC or do you yes, think the NFL? There's no way this? the
0: NFL, the NFL doesn't celebrate its ratings as much as you would think. They don't put out press releases every week. They put out a little, a little image on, on Twitter from their media account. But, they the, you know, the NFL doesn't need to celebrate itself that much. Um, because the NFL knows where it stands. NBC though needs people to know that people signed up for Peacock. They want the NFL to know that too. Uh, I mean the NFL obviously knows, but they want to make it clear. You know, they want to use their platform to say, hey, we put this game on Peacock and a lot of people tuned in. So that was NBC. That wasn't the NFL. I mean, the NFL is a lot of things, but I don't think the NFL I think the NFL understands its audience enough to not need to do that. Um I, I do think that it was odd. It was unusual. Um, it reminded me of when uh, on ESPN they would introduce, and this is ironic now, but they at the start of the season they were introducing Ryan Clark as like the Emmy Award winning Ryan Clark in the, the Chiron, and of course now we know ESPN and their Emmys It's a little bit uh, a little bit questionable.
1: <laughs> you might want to scrub that from yeah. the Chiron.
0: Yeah, but um, it's like no one cares. No, nobody, nobody, nobody tunes into sports. Except for people like you and me, uh, caring about who's calling the game or what network the game is on, half the time they'll hear Kevin Harlan talk on the air and they'll say, "Man, I can't believe Marv Albert said that." <laughs> right? You know, they don't know who these people are. They don't really care. They're just watching for the game. Remember, these audiences are twenty and thirty and forty million strong. Most of those people don't know who Joe Buck is. They really don't. You know, so like to me you know, uh, it is for a very niche audience, that type of thing. And, uh, NBC, that message got out to the people that NBC wanted to have it.
1: Yeah. It just really, really odd to me. I, whoever agreed that or whoever's idea this was to put it on air. I, I'm just, I'm confounded. I don't know. All right. All right. Before we go, John, let's preview the divisional round. Uh, I'll run down the schedule here. We have Texans Ravens Saturday four thirty. That one will be on ESPN. And then Saturday evening Packers 49ers. That one will be on. Oh boy, is that is that the NBC game? No, that's not Fox, oh, Fox, Fox, Fox. NBC is three on Sunday, right? Yeah,
0: NBC is yeah. Buccaneers Lions. So let's, yeah. let's talk about that really quickly. You know, the NFL is a different kind of sport. In baseball. They ended up with, you know, Arizona versus Texas. And, uh, you know, a lot of people got really mad at Nate Silver when he accurately said it was not a particularly inspiring matchup. And, of course, the ratings were pretty bad. They were the worst ever for the World Series. Uh, And it wasn't a very entertaining series either, honestly, outside of Game 1. You know, the NBA, the Lakers and Warriors right now would both fail to make the play-in tournament. They wouldn't make the play-in. Uh, and uh, what you're going to end up with potentially for the NBA is Denver again, or Minnesota or Oklahoma City, and that's not going to be good. You know, the Clay Travises of the world convinced people that last year's playoffs did badly. Last year's playoffs did great. They had the Warriors versus the Lakers in the second round. The, you know, the only thing that happened last year in the playoffs was that you had Denver, Miami in the finals. Other than those five games, the playoffs did incredibly well. That's probably not going to be the case this year uh, with Denver, Minnesota, and Oklahoma City at the top of the Western Conference. Football's different. Football is different because in football, the NFC East turned out to be the AL East, right? You know how the AL East was all the talk of last year and they all flopped? That was the NFC East. You lose Dallas, you lose Philly, two of the top markets in the country, two of the most popular teams. They're out, and instead you get Green Bay, Obviously a traditional team, people love the Packers, but this is not, they're, 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 they're a few years early here and you get Tampa Bay, a team that without Tom Brady on the roster is not a team that people really have any interest in. And yet the NFL goes into divisional round weekend feeling good. And people are excited about this Tampa Bay-Detroit game. They're excited about teams you haven't seen at this level. I mean, I know Tampa just won a Super Bowl, but you know what I mean. Teams you weren't expecting to be here. They're excited about that. In the other leagues, when the teams get there and people didn't expect them to be there, it's bad. Even in the NCAA tournament. If you have more than one Cinderella, the ratings tank. But in the NFL, you get Tampa Bay versus Detroit, and people are excited. You get, you know, maybe Houston manages to beat Baltimore. I mean, probably not. Uh, You know, but I mean, this is why the NFL is as strong as it is. Because you can have a circumstance where the teams that everyone expects You know, obviously, fail, and you replace them with teams that maybe weren't on national TV a lot during the season, and nobody's concerned about it. Now, look, if the Super Bowl ends up being, you know, Houston versus Tampa Bay, there's going to be a problem, even for the NFL. Like that, that's not going to be good. Like it'll still be the Super Bowl, but that will actually not be a good circumstance for them. But, uh, you know. Uh, overall the nfl it's their strength
1: yeah this is a strong divisional round we didn't even mention the the gem of the games which is chiefs bills uh which will be on cbs sunday evening at 6 30 i mean that's what round four of like that matchup being mahomes allen and everyone remembers the 12 seconds game i mean that that game whenever mahomes and allen are going to play each other is going to be the best game of the week uh, at least the most anticipated game of the week, no matter when they play. Of course, Green Bay and San Francisco, you have two traditional powers that'll draw. And then with Houston and Baltimore, um, you do have the upstart Houston Texans, but then you have the presumably the league MVP in Lamar Jackson. Um, and you touched on the Detroit Tampa Bay game. I think Detroit is kind of the Cinderella of this year. People who watched the Lions-Rams game last night saw the atmosphere in Detroit. And I think that is going to draw a lot of eyeballs as they host a second playoff game in a row for the first time in however long, uh, in a very long time. So that is kind of the Cinderella story of of this season. Um, And Detroit, as a media market, is a bit of a sleeping giant, right? That's a massive media market. They just haven't had a lot of success in the professional ranks. Uh, (laughs) Looking across the NFL, NBA, and MLB recently, um, I think this is about as good of a divisional round as the NFL could have asked for from a ratings perspective.
0: Well, that's the other thing for the NFL. The NFL is where the NBA was when it was really, really strong in the LeBron era, where you had Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City and the Thunder were a big TV drop, even though they're a small market that the 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 best case for the NFL is Detroit Buffalo. That is the best Super Bowl matchup they could get. That's their Cleveland, you know, Indians Cubs World Series level matchup, right? All the history, all the you know the psychology of those those teams and markets, very similar markets in terms of uh, what they've been through over the years. So that's the best case. There's not every league that can say Detroit Buffalo is your best case. You know wh- when a league is really strong, that's when your best case scenario is a matchup of small market teams uh you know when it was cleveland and you know obviously they played oakland and you know san you know the bay area but you know when you have teams like cleveland the nba oklahoma city you know in in baseball they've always actually really been more of the big market uh uh teams there i can't really think of a small market underdog in in baseball lately but you know that's when you know have the you have
1: bay rays but <laughs> yeah,
0: no one, no one's interested in the Yeah,
1: race. not even Tampa Bay residents no, are interested. No. So,
0: but um, well, that's because they play in Saint Petersburg, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's that's the strength of the National Football League is the fact that you can look ahead and say they want Buffalo and Detroit, right? The NHL doesn't want Sabres, Red Wings at any point of the playoffs. Although it would probably be a a great atmosphere in both markets. But that's not what you're looking for if you're the NHL. If you're the NFL, you want Lions-Bills.
1: Absolutely. Well, I
0: mean, that... Lions-Chiefs would be fine, too. Don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, Bills-49ers. You know, I think that would be good, too. I mean, for bills I think, Pack, They have a lot of good options.
0: They have a lot of good options, but you want Detroit. You started yeah. the season with Detroit. It was a great bet. Not every league makes a bet that great. Opening night, they put Detroit on there. If they really are writing the script, we know they're not. But that that would say, right? They they picked Detroit from the start. They didn't make the playoffs last year. All they did was have one game where they knocked the Packers out. And, you know, OK, big deal. Uh, they had a, a nice finish and, and and kept the Packers out of the playoffs. And the NFL bet on them from the start. Now they're going to be hosting a divisional round game. Very much highly favored to get to the NFC title game. Uh, frankly, I think if the 49ers make it out, it'll be a little disappointing and anticlimactic for the NFL.
1: Well, I think there's a lot of games to be excited for this week, and uh, I can't wait to watch. Um, John, uh, I think that about does it for us. absolutely. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and close us out?
0: Well, thanks for listening again. another week down, we'll be back next week with more sports media talk.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.